You are listening to the 90 Days Later podcast with Anna Charles, episode 55. Welcome to the 90 Days Later podcast where I show you how to stop over drinking in 90 days without missing out on life. If you're not an alcoholic but fed up with saying yes to a drink when you mean to say no, you're in the right place. Hello everybody, welcome back to the podcast. As I record this, we're in December getting ready for Christmas that's all in full swing or even if you're not celebrating Christmas I'm sure wherever you are then the big party season is starting to gear up right and there's always so much to do at this time of year right there's so much on as well so many events so many people to see often feel like I'm a whirling dervish right you've got the relatives who all want to see you this year, my adult sons are flying in from abroad, so I'm trying to get everything sorted before they get here. And that's assuming they get here, that the border force isn't on strike and that they manage to get into the country okay. All right, so, so there's always so much on at this time of year, and then we're watching, you know, we have to fit in time for all the parties to watch all the films, and we have all the lists, and I have my menu, and, you know, we have the whole thing. Right? And so there's always seems to be this, this, this feeling that things need to be perfect. We want everybody to have a good time. We want everybody to enjoy it. We need to enjoy this. I mean, this is the time we enjoy. Right? This is the fun time of year. I often feel it's a little bit like we're trying to cross a raging river from the 1st of December till about, you know, well, the 1st of January, actually, that there's this river and across it, there's all these stepping stones, and the stepping stones are all the parties. There's a party here, there's an event here, got to see these friends here, do the secret Santa here, boom, boom, boom. And it's just one thing after another after another. And this can lead to some unease, actually, as to how you're going to get through the season. I mean, I hear that and read that a lot. And particularly if you're in a place where you're not happy with your drinking, and if particularly if you drink in response to stress and anxiety and also even actually if you drink to have a really jolly good time right this can be that time of year when you might be feeling a bit a bit nervous and in fact right now as I speak actually I'm putting together a festive guide like the festive survival guide I think I'm going to call it for my clients to help them navigate the season I'm really loving what I'm doing what I'm putting into it so I thought I would hook out one of the tactics from the guide and share that with you today right so this does a couple of things it gives you some practical um, tips that you can take with you into the party season and it also gives you some idea of the kind of support that I offer to my clients in addition to our one-on-one calls and you know this is all part of helping them with their transformation all right so today I want to offer one simple tactic and some ways to implement it And what I'm calling it is just pause. I was speaking with a client the other day and we were talking about what happens when they kind of get their drinking head on and then boom, before they know it, they're on a slide and there's kind of slip sliding down the slide and it's kind of like all bets are off, right? They have no control at that point. Once you start drinking, you kind of, you just let go. So this was how they were presenting what had happened to them in the week. And we looked at this and sort of managed to 
we've developed out this concept of slide that I want to talk about you today. So if you think about a child's slide, right, there's steps and then there's the slippy bit. How do you play on a slide? Right? Well, what you do, you might say, is you climb up the steps and then you slide down the bit, you know, the slippy bit. No, actually, that isn't. There's a brief third point in between, in between the steps and in between the slides. And if you watch children on a slide, you'll see them do this. Because I don't know about you, but it's been a few years since I have been on a slide. But actually, I could really see myself doing this. Right, so you climb the steps. So the child, they will climb the steps. And then there's that moment when they reach that top step where they will make some adjustment. Now, it might be really brief. It might just be to, they might just sit down. They get to the top, they sit down, boom, and they go. It might be that they sort of steady themselves. They hold on to the hand, the handlebars at the side of the top of the slide. They steady themselves as they sit down. Perhaps they pause to look at the view. I know our children used to always shout invariably at us, Mom, are you looking? And we'd have to give our full attention. Or sometimes they'd actually, you know, really sort of wave their, their arms wildly. They were so excited to be on top of this off of the top of the slide. Right. So so whatever you do, there's this there's a there's a moment where something happens between climbing the steps and sliding down the slide. And when I looked at this and wanted to explore this further, I see the self-same thing is true of uh, drinking right so so we'll have the steps on the slide so we walk our way up to the so the act of drinking is the slide right once we start drinking that's when we're on the slide but in order to get to that point we're making a decision to drink and we're doing this through urges and we're doing this through the thoughts that are creating our urges so we're stepping it's kind of like I see the steps up the slide as a step, the thoughts of desire it's leading us towards the action we're going to take but also in drinking, there is a pause. There is something that happens between having a thought to drink, I want that, for instance, or just one won't hurt, and the act of drinking. And what happens between those two elements, between the thought and the action, is a feeling. And that feeling is going to fuel the action that you take. So I want you to imagine the slide, you've climbed up the slide through all these thoughts that are creating your desire to have the drink and then that pause on the top, that's the piece when we get to feel, that's the piece that will determine our action. If you're feeling brave, right, you might, if this is now back into not drinking but we're on the slide if you're feeling brave you're going to launch quickly into action and you see children do this all the time they just run up there's a briefest of pauses and then they throw themselves down if you're feeling scared you might hesitate you might think twice about going down the slide you might even decide i, I just don't want this right and you might then climb back down the steps so you see there's so much power in that pause there's so much power in checking in to see how am i feeling if you're feeling that you're just destined to drink it's inevitable that you're going to drink then you'll be launching yourself off that slide but if you realize that you actually don't want to maybe you've had all these urge creating thoughts and then you get to the point that actually i don't want this 
you still have choices at that point and those choices are opened up to you by pausing so what I say is if you can give yourself a 90 second pause between the thought for a drink and the act of it or even if you're not aware of your thoughts a 90 second pause before you actually drink just to give yourself a little bit of breathing space then you can become very powerful and purposeful as to what you do next now absolutely you can choose to drink no problem there's no shame behind it but I want you to own that right you get to own that as a decision and if you're pausing before you do it you are much more likely to be aware and conscious of what's going on this is so important because we have to interrupt the automatic habit cycle of thinking about a drink and then rewarding that thought with a drink. That's really in essence what we're doing here, how pausing helps us. Now people will tell me, yeah, Anna, I know this. I know I have this choice. I know every drink is a decision, but why is it so hard? They tell me, I don't want to drink. I really don't. But then I say yes, as though someone else is answering for me. And believe me, I've been there. I, I would query myself, why do you even want... I remember going to events and I would even be drinking because you know, white wine used to be my thing. And in America, in California, the white wine used to taste quite different to what I was used to. And I wasn't particularly uh, keen on it. Apologies to all the Californians listening. But in any case, so I'd be drinking this and thinking, I really don't like, I really don't like this. It's white wine, but I really don't like this. And it was just so confusing to me. Right. And this is simply because we're in an automatic drinking cycle. Right. We have to interrupt. But you might want to interrupt that. Your, your adult prefrontal cortex might want to interrupt that. But your primitive brain is not on board with the plan. That's what's happening, right? You have to interrupt that automatic habit cycle and your primitive brain doesn't want to be interrupted. The brain's like, no, 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 no. I've got a good thing going here. This is good. Nothing to see here. This is all very unconscious, this pouring a drink, because when that happens, I get this really nice reward. Why on earth would I want to interrupt this? All right, so that's why it's happening. That's why if you, you know you have the choice, but you're not following through, it's because this other piece of you has absolutely no incentive to do so, right? But your brain isn't you. You are the boss of your brain, not the other way around. And you do know this already. You know how, how this works already. Let me give you an, an, an example outside of drinking. Now, I quite like, in fact, I really quite enjoy watching EastEnders. It's a British soap opera, UK soap opera. It's really quite rubbish. I mean, I'm the first to admit, but I really enjoy it, right? But I don't sit and binge watching EastEnders all day, even if my brain would tell me it was a good idea. And yes, <laughs> It has done before, particularly when I'm working on something very boring. But I don't listen to it. I just don't entertain that because I'm the boss of my brain. Now, it's the same thing with alcohol. Right? I saw this back in the day. It was a big shift for me. Just because my brain said, I want this, I want that glass of wine. The moment I realized that didn't mean I had to go and get it. That's when things changed. And no, it's not necessarily easy. 
I get that. And this is, you know, we know that this is not easy, but that doesn't mean that you can't do it, right? So there we say that again, just because my brain said I want that, it didn't mean I had to go and get it. But for a long time, for the longest time, I didn't understand that choice, right? It felt like I want it and that's true. So I should just go and get it. So I just go and have it, right? Because I wanted it. You know, I was the one making the decision there. But what you need to remember is that alcohol just sits there. Alcohol is liquid. It might be clear, brown, pink, red, goodness knows what colors they will have at this time of year. But it'll just sit there. It can't will you to pick it up, right? It doesn't care whether you drink it or not. It doesn't care if you or not your friend drinks it or not, right? It doesn't care. But you, in fact, your brain, that cares a lot. That primitive area of your brain, it knows that alcohol means reward and it wants that reward. In fact, this is what it's been programmed to seek out. I talk about this, right? That we are geared around avoiding pain, seeking pleasure and doing both of these things as efficiently as possible. So you have that programming going on. Plus, you've been merrily and unconsciously and unintentionally uh, telling yourself, teaching your brain that if it has this desire for alcohol, what you do is you give it, you give in, right? You give it by giving a reward. Now, one of the tricky things that I see, and especially in people when they're just starting out on this transformation, changing their relationship with alcohol, is we don't always see what precedes the action of drinking. Now, I might tell them, as I'm telling you now, there is always a thought and there is always a feeling, but these things are kind of invisible to us. We have to really hunt them out. Now, that's no bad thing. But if you're not aware of how to do this, and this is a skill that you developed, this can be quite hidden and invisible, and that makes it difficult to um, work with. And that's why I like the power of just pausing, just even for 90 seconds, because it's a physical thing you can do. I mean, you, could, you don't have to stand there religiously with a stopwatch, although you could, right? It's a physical interruption. It's a physical task we have that slows down and breaks open that automatic habit and that automatic thought cycle that's happening in your brain. So pausing is a really practical way to slow things down. It also gives you the opportunity to search for the thought and the feeling and to acknowledge that that's going on and to know you have a choice. There's another way you can actually take this tactic a little further and I absolutely love this. Now, a lot of the time in my coaching work, I advise my clients, and I talk about here on the podcast too, lovely friends, I advise you all to write stuff down, right? We write down in my program, we write down our drink plans, we write our journals, our summaries of what happened, we write down what urges feel like and so on, right? I advise just get it out on paper or on the computer because there's really power in seeing what's going on inside our head. As I said just now, this stuff is all invisible to us and it's just it's happening so fast that we, you know, we really haven't got a clue often of what's going on. And the moment we start to write stuff down and start, we can be really curious and intrigued actually about what's going on. And this is when we start to get the aha breakthroughs, right? I never realized I was thinking that. That's something that I hear a lot from people when they start to really read back to themselves what 
they have been thinking. I like to think of it as a little bit like being on a fair, you know, one of those fairground attractions. You might have seen them where you've got the, the little mini pond of water and there's these plastic ducks with hooks on and you have a fishing rod and you have to try and fish out a duck and then you lift it up and written underneath the duck is the prize level or the reward or whatever it is that you have won. It's your prize. But you don't know what prize you're going to get until until you have that duck there lifted out of the water and in front of you. And a big duck could mean a small prize. A small duck could mean a big prize, right? You just don't know. And I see the same thing as happening with our thoughts, right? We just don't know what we're thinking a lot of the time. Now, we don't need to go overboard with this. You're going to hear people talk about thousands of thoughts a day and yes, yes, yes. But I just want you just to start with some. I don't want you to get really anxious about having to capture every single thought that's driving your drinking. So one way to do this is when you are um, on the verge of, you know, you're in, you're in that urge cycle and you, you, can, you can feel what's going on. Speaking your intentions out loud is a great way of bringing awareness to yourself. And in fact, I like to see this as a way of structuring the pause. So I said, you know, pause for 90 seconds or so. And if you speak your intentions out loud, you'll become really conscious of what you're about to do. Because what you're doing is you're acknowledging your intent. Warning, you may feel a little silly doing this. That is okay. But the more you speak, out your intentions not only is this going to slow things down not least because it takes us longer to speak than it does to think something but you are also going to very clearly see what you are doing there can be no room for any excuses well I don't know why it happened I don't know what happened happened here all the time I just don't know no 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 we know this is how we can break it down so I want you to speak your intentions speak the thought that you're having in that moment if you don't think of it, if you can't think of it yet as a thought, I mean, it's probably going to sound like an excuse and it's going to be an excuse that your brain likes to use to keep you from change and to keep you in the habit, right? It wants to keep that habit intact. It wants you to keep on drinking because it wants you to keep getting the reward because it thinks that is a good idea. We know it isn't. Brain doesn't. So you need to learn to call out your excuses for what they are and teach your brain that these are not thoughts that get a reward anymore. Mm -mm. This is under new management now. And it's a nice gentle way to remind your brain who's in charge. Let me give you a couple of examples as to how this works. So maybe you have been thinking, well, what harm will one more do? Right? And instead of just believing a thought like that, it actually seems so harmless in the moment, right? I mean, just one drink, what harm will that do? When you notice it appearing in your head, you can actually respond back to it. You can respond back with a thought that, well, my, it's just the thought that my brain thinks to get a reward. I can teach my brain something different, right? So you can say that out loud. This is just the thought that my brain thinks to get a reward. I can teach my brain something different. So notice what you're doing is you're naming this as a thought, as a sentence in your brain, instead of just believing it as a truth. Here's another example. Maybe you say, you know, sod this. I just sod this, I'm gonna have a drink. And then you can say out loud to yourself, sod this is just a thought that keeps the habit cycle going. 
and I can choose not to say sod this to my life right or maybe another thought you might have of just this once how many times have you said that oh just this once just tonight my friends in town special evening with my husband just this once just this one time here's how you could reframe that say this out loud just this once is a thought i've rewarded over and over again with dopamine but i don't have to believe this thought anymore so what you're doing here in all of these situations you're basically reasserting your authority over your brain right you're reminding yourself that all of these thoughts are optional and you're doing this in a compassionate way you are backing yourself Did you notice there wasn't one mention of something along the lines of, I'm such an idiot, I can't believe I did again, I'm self-sabotaging, what on earth is going on, why will I never learn? Right? Didn't say any of that because none of that helps. No, what we're doing is we're just calling out our thoughts and by verbalizing them, it helps us to see them and helps us to then decide how we're going to respond differently. Because remember, you, my friend, are not your thoughts. Showing your brain, I don't have to believe that thought anymore, or I can put that thought aside, or I can teach my brain something new is incredibly empowering. And this is where the power really from that pause comes in. As you build awareness, you're going to see this in action. And the more you can respond to it in the moment, the more you can respond that you don't have to blindly follow where your brain leads you. All you need to do, you know, is you just have to pause, see what's unfolding, and then you can choose to respond differently. This is such a powerful tool to help you change your drinking. At minimum, you're going to see that you have options, that you don't have to drink, that it's not a foregone conclusion that that is the action you're going to take. And even if you do decide in that moment to drink, you're still going to have information you can use next time to evaluate and to decide what you want to try next for a different approach. Okay, that's it for this week and it only leaves me to wish you all a very Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays and I want to offer, you can be done with this drinking thing. If you're nodding along, if what I'm saying resonates, reach out to me. Let's have a call. I can show you how to get from where you are now to where you want to be, right? This is up and available for you now. Just imagine yourself this time next year with this all behind you. You won't be listening to these podcasts for a start. How much time is that going to save you? You get to go on and live the life that you want. I have spots opening in my one-on-one calendar. Apply now. You do that by going to 90dayslater.co and clicking on the big blue button at the top, book a call, and we'll take it from there. Okay, see you next week. If you like what you're learning in the podcast and you want to take the work further and achieve total freedom around alcohol, let's talk. I help my clients stop reaching for that first glass of wine the moment 6pm rolls around and they don't miss out on life we do it in 90 days the effect is permanent email me for more information on anna at 90dayslater.co and if you did enjoy the show i'd really appreciate if you'd leave a rating and review to help others find the 90 days later podcast